Section 61 of Loss of the Sultana by Chester D. Berry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 61. A. A. Jones. I was born in Stowe, Summit County, Ohio, on the 25th of April, 1843. Lived with my parents on the farm. Enlisted in the service of the United States August 11th, 1862, and mustered into the service September 18, 1862, in Company C of the 115th Regiment, Ohio Volunteer Infantry. Spent first year of service in the state of Ohio, mostly at Cincinnati, guarding paroled prisoners, looking after Morgan, quelling Vallandigham riots, etc. Were ordered to Murfreesboro, Tennessee in the summer of 1863. The regiment was distributed along the Nashville and Chattanooga Railroad. Fifty or sixty of my company, myself included, were stationed at Fort Laverne, where we remained until December 5, 1864, when we were unceremoniously taken under General Forrest's wing, who promised us a parole in a very short time. Notwithstanding, we were moved hastily into Dixieland, across Tennessee into Mississippi, and hardly halted until we saw the inside of the filthy enclosure at Meridian, Mississippi, remaining there until the barefoot stragglers came up, feet bleeding and frozen, caused by the ice and snow that lay on the ground at the time. Many a poor fellow went to his long home on account of the cruel treatment of the enemy in taking away his boots and shoes. Arrangements were very soon made to remove us from here, as Pap Thomas was making it rather lively for Hood about this time, and we were moved into Alabama, thence into Georgia, where we went into winter quarters in the most dreaded of all prisons, Andersonville. It must have been the last days of December when we arrived at this den of death. We remained there until the last of March, 1865, when some twenty-five hundred men were sent out on exchange, arriving in camp at Black River, Mississippi, the forepart of April, 1865. Here it was we wrote the happy news to our parents, wives, and sweethearts that we would soon be with them at home. How our hearts leaped within us with anticipation! On the morning of April 25th, the news came that transportation had been secured, and we were marched out with light hearts to Vicksburg, where the Sultana lay awaiting us. It was not at all necessary to be invited to go on board, and as we did so, we noticed the repairing of the boilers. Some twenty-five hundred sandwiched ourselves as best we could until every available spot and place was occupied. The repairs of the boilers, the overcrowded condition of the boat, the drunken captain who furnished transportation made everything blue because the captain of the boat objected to taking on so many these very important things were unnoticed by the comrades in their anxiety to reach home and friends once more but the sequel proves we should have been more wary near the bow of the hurricane deck was the place selected by our squad who had stuck together through all our afflictions during the war. My health was very poor while at Andersonville. The hurried march into our lines, 
change of climate and diet, etc., made my case no better. Consequently, I was most miserable when I boarded the vessel, and asked as a favor of my comrades, Martin Baird and Robert Gaylord, if they would permit me to sleep between them as we had only one blanket. They cheerfully consented, and although the nights were quite cold to us bloodless fellows, yet by being so closely packed, we managed to keep three sides comparatively warm. This was the position we occupied during the night of the 26th up to the time the crash came, which must have been about 2.30 a.m. What a crash! My God! My blood curdles while I write, and words are inadequate. No tongue or writer's pen can describe it. Such hissing of steam, the crash of the different decks as they came together with the tons of living freight, the falling of the massive smokestacks, the death-cry of strong-hearted men caught in every conceivable manner, the red-tongued flames bursting up through the mass of humanity and driving to death's door those who were fortunate enough to live through worse than a dozen deaths in that damnable death-pen at Andersonville. We had faced death day by day while incarcerated there, but this was far more appalling than any scene through which we had passed, awakened with a dreamy whisper of mother, sister, or other darling on our lips. But, oh, what a change in one short moment! Comrades imploring each other for assistance that they might escape from the burning deck. Officers giving orders for the safety of their men. Women shrieking for help. Horses neighing mules kicking and making the terrible scene hideous with their awful brays of distress. These are a few of the many scenes and sounds that greeted my sight and came to my ear. After a most desperate effort on my part, I extricated myself from the section of the wreck that by the explosion had been thrown upon me. My sleeping comrades! Alas, where were they? Martin Baird that slept on my right, and Robert Gaylord that slept on my left, where were they? God can answer, I cannot, as I never saw or heard of either of them after that. Poor fellows, they were kind to me, and I trust that I may yet touch elbows with them across the river whose waters are so pure. I climbed as rapidly as my strength would permit to the railing on the edge of the boat, and from there looked down on the awful scene below. The darting flames by this time lighted the whole panorama. Can I ever forget the scene? Not while my senses remain. Masses of drowning men clinging together until they were borne down by their own weight to rise no more alive. Their poor pinched and ghastly faces are indelibly engraved on my memory. Life is sweet, and all those scenes of destruction did not prevent me from thinking of the dear ones at home and how I was to save my own life. I climbed to the lower deck and grasped a plank. Was sliding it over the edge of the boat when a comrade asked permission to slide down. It was granted. When he reached the water, he caused me to lose my hold. Then he moved off with it. This robbed me of what I first expected to save my own life on, but I bear no malice. 
my earnest wish being that the plank he robbed me of saved his life or that of some other comrade i stood wondering what next to do but as god was watching over me there was a way that soon proved to me that there was a power ruling over all stronger than man a plank like the first floated from beneath the swell of the boat as soon as i noticed it i sprang into the water came up and remained as near the boat as possible i swam to the bow then swam away as quickly as i could to avoid obstacles being thrown on me as i had observed many a poor comrade pass to his watery grave in this manner after getting a short distance from the boat on the tennessee side there was something i took to be an island as the flames by this time lighted far out on either side i started as i supposed for the island but soon got into the current and it being very swift and the plank large i was swept down at a rapid rate and the water being very cold soon chilling my weak physical structure to such an extent that i gave up all hope of my reaching shore by any exertion of my own so i floated with the current i cannot describe my feelings as i lay motionless on the plank my lower limbs being benumbed and cramped so that i had no power over them i never can forget the scene of horror as i looked upon it the last time those noble men who had faced battle in all its fury who had not flinched when the word forward came even though in the face of the cannon or screaming shell had faced worse than death at andersonville standing there on the bow of that burning boat wringing their hands rushing to and fro begging and imploring their comrades to assist them that their lives might be saved to their dear ones i floated on out of sight and hearing of that terrible picture until life in me was well-nigh extinct when i saw in the gray of the morning the street lamps at memphis when i realized this fact i was more horrified than at any time for the thought of going beyond that city into the wild region below in that mad rushing current was enough to curdle the blood if any was left in my veins which i doubt for as i remember the sensation that every particle of blood had been forced to the uppermost portion of my brain by a one hundred horsepower engine that the top of my head would fly skyward providence stepped in again in my behalf when i so much needed assistance and hope had well nigh given away i heard the dip of oars and felt a strong hand grasping and raising me from my faithful friend the plank and placing me on the bottom of a boat that was being used to patrol in front of the city to pick up those who were floating down that far i was taken to a wharf boat and as i was borne along by two strong men two women god bless them came forward with a blanket and wrapped it about my naked form comrades will we ever realize what force there was back of the women of our country to aid and assist us in crushing out the life of the cruel war this country owes them much for their untiring zeal patriotism and courage i was taken to the washington hospital as soon as i was able to sit up where we received very kind treatment 
until we left for the north two days later. My present post office is Parkman, Ohio. End of section 61